So Matthew, why war games? Why did you want to do war games? I, I think war games is great for its simplicity. It's a very early take on many of the issues that we want to get into in the show. And, and I love the simplicity of it. The computer is elegantly simple. Yes, yeah, simplicity might be a downfall. Anyway, I'm Tim, I'm a data engineer, and I'm an eternal optimist. And I'm Matthew, and I'm a data scientist, and when I'm not a theorist, I am a cynic. And this is Kill All Humans. Okay, so uh, obviously this episode we're going to be talking a little bit about war games here. Now, uh, as a spoiler, in case you haven't seen it, okay, come on, do, do we have to give spoiler warnings for 40-year-old movies at this point? I, I don't think so, but we could do it anyway for the fun of it. Okay, spoiler warning. Okay, so basically Matthew Broderick plays a uh, a slacker teenager who is uh, doing all sorts of fun 1980s hacking and winds up hacking into a military computer that was basically designed how to game scenarios how to win a thermonuclear war. Um, and of course, he triggers the wrong thing and inadvertently triggers an actual thermonuclear war. Thermonuclear war. Yeah. Yep. So that's... Uh, it's an age-old story, and we've definitely heard this one before. Poor boy hacks computer, boy starts through World War Three. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, the story I mean, is the story uh, is old as time. Well, the the boy hacking part is kind of uh, that. I think that was novel, but I mean, we've seen movies like this before. I mean, the Forbin Project, for example, comes to mind, where it's a where a movie from the sixties, very similar, where the U.S. government turns over control of its nuclear arsenal to a computer. So the movie existed before. Just I think the novel approach of this, actually, rather being science fiction, actually being very rooted in science fact. Um, so, for example, a lot of the phone freaking techniques, if you don't know what that is, look it up. But a lot of the phone freaking techniques are absolutely valid. Uh, a lot of the early hacking techniques were very valid. So, for example, cybersecurity wasn't really a thing. Uh, in fact, you can credit this movie for spurring cybersecurity because Reagan apparently watched this film the day it went out and had a conversation with his Joint Chiefs of Staff afterwards and said, hey, it, it, can somebody really break into our computers this way? And apparently the answer oh, was somebody did actually. That was actually one of the first incidents of computer hacking was actually somebody broke into ARPANET and and really actually got some information out. Now <laughs> I love the fact in this movie that high tech is an auto dialer, that he goes through all the calls, all the numbers with a nine one seven or seven one nine area code or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think fun it was, movie. Fun oh, days. Nostalgia. Fun yeah. Movie. So it does a lot of great things well, and it's but you know I mean we can talk about some of the accuracy or even some of the inaccuracies. So for example, breaking out of a room using uh, using phone freaking techniques. I don't think that was a thing, but you know what? Uh, lots of great stuff here. But really, what I want to talk about is Whopper. Whopper, of course, is the artificially intelligent computer that was being used to game out this scenario that almost with the help of Matthew Broderick triggers World War Three. Technically, though, that's not Whopper's correct name. Computer is named Joshua. Uh, I thought the personality was called Joshua and the computer was named Whopper. All right. So the hardware, yes, yes, the hardware is named Whopper, but the computer itself, the interesting bits are called Joshua. A ironic name, to say the least, for a computer capable of starting World War III. <laughs> Why is that ironic? Oh, it's so sweet and lovable and cuddly, <laughs> and it plays games with you. I mean, like, like, let's think about this computer at its core. It's designed, it was originally designed just simply to play tic-tac-toe and chess and backgammon and some other little fun games. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, so, so I think one of the first things that we look at uh, with this film, and I think it was a very valid, uh, very valid early technique, of course, and still is used today. This idea of using uh, gaming and scenario. We've talked about this in our previous two, previous two episodes of where computers can improve upon themselves by getting these scenarios like games, like how to play chess, how to play checkers, uh, where I think this computer goes a bit further into the fictional, but not as fictional today, is when it's learning how to play poker, which I don't think we've come up with a computer that can beat a human player yet, because there's the element of bluffing that computers haven't quite mastered. Uh, Head-on two-person Texas Hold'em has been optimized by an AI. Well, crap. (laughs) Well, there's... That's next, or I think they already got craps, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that's the, you get to the, the, the one of the really interesting points about this. This is a wonderful movie to describe exactly what reinforcement learning is capable of and the way it can be used and some of the interesting limitations. And I think when you dive into the movie, there's actually a really central question of machine learning that is very is a central plot point what the computer is able to learn through reinforcement learning, which is an interesting twist on the traditional view, is, you know, central to the resolution of the, of the, of the movie's plot. Um, and I think it, it, it speaks to something that I want to touch back on later, and I don't necessarily want to get onto now, but sometimes machine learning, and, and I think when it's it, in, in, in certain contexts, is, is called context-free learning. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a really important idea here. This computer, which probably is no more powerful than my desktop is today, is able to play chess at a master level, tic-tac-toe at a master level, and able to nuke the entire planet successfully. Great. Um, needless to say, that doesn't leave a lot of room for other information. <laughs> Well, I think too, and again, not to get too far far into where you want to go with this. I think too, I think this really drives home one of the core tenets of data science, data analytics, really the field of data, which is, of course, garbage in, garbage out, right? Because I mean, so first of all, what they did in this movie is they started. Okay, so they started with the premise: a nuclear war can be won. They started with the premise. They didn't even think to say, hey, they didn't ask computer, can it be one? They said, okay, it must be one. And then they had all these banks computer in the scene that they're showing that they had all these interesting things that, oh, we're feeding it all this data from all around the world. Well, yeah, but how that data can be incredibly biased, you know, or it's being biased towards certain things. Okay, you're showing Soviet things and the human operators or the human programs put it in and say, okay, when the Soviets are doing this, therefore it must mean that. You know, it's very um, – so, I mean, all those biases kind of crept in, which, again, started causing – which I think was one of the biggest problems in the movie, that they started with a premise and they fed in bias data. Right. There's really a systemic bias of the data in there because the data has to be geared – exactly toward the decision-making process of the computer. So anything else that doesn't exactly match the information the computer is looking for, and this is a very limited decision-making tool, is going to be automatically removed. And that's where, you know, how you treat the data is oftentimes just as important or more important than the model itself. If the right data is not getting to the model even or even being utilized by the model correctly, you have a problem. And in this case, a very big one. (laughs) Thermonuclear war problem. 
All right. So let's say, uh, let's say I'm, I'm going to ask you a question then. Let's say you and I were going to build Whopper today. So what will we do different that they didn't get right in the eighties? I would eliminate the nukes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's be clear about something. The okay, whole premise okay. of the movie is nuclear war can't be won. So, all right. Don't play. Fine. I'll build whatever computer you want with it, every war game simulation you want, but I'm going to take off the bit, the blunt end of the, of the sword or the sharp end of the sword. So yes, I'm going to get rid of the nukes. Okay. So this is what, so this is what I would do. And this is actually something they did in 79. Okay. Uh, so there was an actual scare in, in the, in the seventies that uh, basically allowed a simulation to run at NORAD that they thought there was an incoming Soviet attack to the point they, uh, alerted the, um, one of, I think it was Jimmy Carter's uh, national security advisors, who at the time made the decision, nah, let's not tell the president about this today. We'll wait till he <laughs> wakes up. Um, but apparently it was such a real, it was so real that they were about ready to, you know, pull the trigger on these things. So one, sandbox your simulations. You know, in fact, let's sandbox some of these applications a bit because I think the fact that you can, um, the, the fact that you can just play tic-tac-toe and let it bleed into another simulation, although it did save the day, is probably not uh, good practice. You know, let, let's say you can use X amount of RAM in processing speed. So let's sandbox that process a bit. Uh, and also the simulation. Well, I, I think let's let's slow down here a bit, Tim, because I think we're we're getting off into a territory that I think we want to explore in some detail. And I, I want to make sure the context is clear for people. As we talk about war games, we are talking about a game and a hypothetical situation. But I, what I think our users may not be, or our listeners may not be aware of, is that um, World War Three came very close to happening many more times than we think it actually did. You know, and and the number one like that people are going to think of of course is the Cuban missile crisis. But that maybe makes the top 5 biggest crises in the Cold War that we even know of, not the ones we don't actually know of. There were some really interesting submarine incidents. Oh, and yeah. then there's one involving some war games which I think you, you know, yeah, so is particularly relevant to this discussion. So in the in the eighties there was um, an Operation Able Archer. So this is something that I think it was nineteen eighty three. Uh, Reagan had just been elected, and there's a lot of anti Soviet rhetoric uh, relegated to the ash bin of history. And there was the Soviet premier at the time. I think it was Brezhnev. Uh, was convinced, convinced that what was happening now is the same thing as the Nazis in the 40s, you know, like they're, they're beating the war drums. Um, so they introduced this thing, Pro Operation Ryan, that basically collected all sorts of data. This is more of a human intelligence gathering, but there was some computer uh, elements of artificial intelligent machine learning. It's rudimentary because Soviet computer science wasn't exactly what we would call advanced, even by 80s standards. Uh, but what they did is they fed all this information uh, about – okay, if troops do this, if radio communications do this, if we have all these bits and decisions of information happening, this means that the U.S. is gearing towards a first strike. Therefore, the Soviets would be better off doing a first strike. So we actually became incredibly close to nuclear war during this thing called Operation Able Archer, where in the 
the United States, NATO, and West Germany conducted military exercises. Now, this wasn't anything new. I mean, obviously, lots of military exercises happened in Europe. But was new is that they actually treated this as if they were going to do a first strike. So they were doing radio silence and uh, new encryption methods. And they also deployed Pershing-2 missiles to Western Europe that could strike. Uh, so lots of different things were going on. Meanwhile, they had the Soviets had this Operation Ryan thing going on with all their data collection and was happening Operation Able Archer actually triggered all those points. It wasn't until uh, Soviet counterintelligence they'll be go, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's all an exercise. And apparently, upon hearing this, Reagan um, realized we almost got nuked. Uh, so that's when a lot of the rhetoric started calming down, especially those level of operations and a little bit more communication was restored. Um, it actually has interesting parallels to looking at this is why, you know, hard uh, getting almost into politics a bit, why hard diplomacy, military diplomacy can be very difficult when the other side is doing the same thing because it can cause a lot. Of well, there's, there's even a simple analogy here coming back to the, the topics of the show and what you've described is something called the classic decision tree. Mm -hmm. If the U.S. Navy launches a submarine in the North and North Sea, then go to this particular choice. And then in this particular choice, if the U.S. does Y, then you go to this particular choice. And you get down these decision trees and you do about four or five of them. And you get to somewhere you really, really don't want to be. And that happens all the time with decision trees. Now, um, it can happen with other kinds of machine learning models, too, but it's, it, decision trees are especially prone to this very particular kind of unreality problem because of the specificity of the choices and, and the conditions to which you write that ratchet down. You can very easily end up in a place that you have no business being. Exactly, exactly. And I think uh, – so I think uh, this uh, showing um, Operation Abel Archer, for example, kind of coinciding with that. Um, also kind of looking at what happened in war games, you know, and again, mm -hmm. this is kind of what machine learning was until, I don't know, like data science didn't really catch up to our ability to mathematically model things. I would say what probably in the past decade or two where decision trees were kind of like that, that that's what you got. <laughs> um, but now we've got other cases. options. You had some statistical statistical models and, and a few, you know, some kinds of regressions and things, but yeah, no, data science has really come to the forefront in the last decade. But here you see some beautiful prototypical examples before there was data science. And you get to see just exactly how they can go wrong. And then ultimately, one very elegant solution in my mind to the problem that was, that was being presented. Mm -hmm. Which is nuke the commies. Well, actually, no. The The solution was to self-train the computer to recognize that the only victory condition was not to play. And that was actually a valid victory scenario. So they ran like, you know, it looked like five or ten, you know, or maybe a hundred simulations in the game. But it was probably thousands or millions that this computer ran through. And then I think just crashed and reset itself, honestly. But that's probably more realistic. But I'm, yeah. I'd like to believe that it actually learned that oh, wait, you know, if I don't move, that's the winning condition. <laughs> um, which is interesting, though, because what it did is that it also kind of contradicted something earlier in the movie where they started with the premise that nuclear war can be won. Show me how to win it. Um, exactly. 
So they're like, so the computer must have, and again, this is where, you know, a little theatrical imagination has to come in mind. Cause I mean, the computer, uh, it's more likely it would just crash, said, can't do it versus saying, having this nice little poetic, uh, the only winning move is not to play, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the computer, like there's, there's, so there's a fantastic element to it. Like, you know, the computer having a personality and things like that. But there's so many themes that are relevant to today, like the concept of a backdoor. Look at what, uh, that the, uh, NSA in the United States is putting in for, uh, wanted Apple to put into their devices. Um, looking at, um, even just the concept of, you know, an us versus them. Back then it was the Soviets. Now people are worried about the Chinese with nuclear weapons and, uh, armament buildup and also other countries around the world. So, I mean, I think there's so much, um, it, there's so much rich territory and it's like and it's also a very good data movie and we're not in any way exempt anymore from those kinds of data blind spots that the reality is that the data may be more intricate the data may be more complex and the tapestry may be deeper and thicker and richer but the reality is that 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 it's it's always possible to go down one of these little data rabbit holes where the wrong data creeps into the wrong spot. And now your model is just suddenly divorced completely from reality. And, and that's almost easier to do today. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, we have to be, I think, even more vigilant on our models that they really are actually doing what we think they are and actually grounded in reality, which is especially difficult for something which has no context or conception of what reality is. I mean, Joshua or Whopper had zero idea that a person exists or even that a nuke exists. It had no idea what launch codes were. It just had this whole set of decisions that it had to make based on certain conditions. And then it propagated those conditions forward. The fact that somebody created a backdoor for this thing to have major impacts on reality was, was a major mistake. But it's one we make today mm-hmm. quite frequently in many, many ways. Well, it's I think the mistake here is the mistake they made back then, which is, you know, we always look at more is better, more is better when it comes to data, more is better. But, you know, we're but again, we always forget that one tenant. It's true in engineering, in analytics in intelligence, in science, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage out. If you just feed more data in, you just risk more garbage. <laughs> pure and simple okay so um so question then um are we going to give whopper a turing score what do we think absolutely i think it deserves one i okay. i'm actually going to go five for five five for five yeah i think it it but despite the poetic moment maybe maybe four and a half but despite the poetic moment the the movie is reasonable and the capabilities of the computer aside maybe from a little bit of the personality augmentation but people are i'll put that down to confirmation bias i i think this is a very realistic portrayal so it's gonna lose half a point 4.5 out of 5 for me for a couple reasons one they rolled out an entire interconnected network in 30 days to those silos we can't even get i can't you can't even get the 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 cable guy to come out in 30 days come on okay you're gonna lose half a point there i'm sorry that that bugged me uh also four and a half we'll we'll, we'll dock a point for poetic justice and unreasonable cable timing Also, let's see what else. Uh, so, I mean, but I mean, honestly, though, I mean, as far as like, because I mean, if you compare it to like other like computer hacking or something films, I mean, 
this, this was this was so grounded in reality. I mean, the only thing that wasn't real, honestly, was like the natural language processing of of Joshua slash Whopper. I mean, that was even then. It's not even that far off the mark what they were able to do in the eighties with a powerful enough computer. And it's not far off the mark what it's possible to do twenty years later. I remember having a conversation with IKEA customer support where it took me five full minutes to recognize that the agent on the other end of the line was actually a computer. <laughs> Seriously. Her name was Anna, and, and she was the IKEA customer sales rep when the department was closed. Interesting. And, it, and I had to go to great lengths to break that thing. <laughs> oh, no, you're saying IKEA almost passed the Turing test. <laughs> yes. It, it did remarkably well. We were like, at two eighteen a.m., if it's real or not. <laughs> At two eighteen a.m., IKEA became self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> Billy bookshelves started flying off <laughs> in desperation. Those the little Allen wrenches tried to pull the plug. I don't know. I, I got something there. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm I'm actually going to retract. I'm going to go five out of five because honestly, there's going to be fantastic elements in any movie. You find, but honestly speaking, I mean, the, the the cool thing for me is that they could have built a Whopper then or or mm-hmm. Joshua. Uh, I don't think it would be quite as advanced, but they could have built one. I mean, we can build one today. No, no, no issues. And probably if we were to build it today, we'd probably you know maybe not hook it up to the actual you know. Well, according to the movies, if we build it today, it's Skynet. So I think that's a bad idea. And (laughs) we want to put out a user safety tip. Do not build a sentient AI military industrial complex. This is a bad idea. (laughs) Don't do it. Well, I don't know. You could have some fun with it. I mean, just, just, you know, sandbox, air gap it at least, you know. (laughs) Okay, air gap it. Sure. You know, I I think we, you know, we have to remember the things we learn on formative TV shows. Like we learned on Big Bang Theory, one should not try to build a nuclear bomb, a nuclear reactor as a teenager. Probably not. This is not a good idea. Not a good idea. You know, and I think from war games, we we, we should remember that it's not a good idea to build an artificially advanced military industrial complex, but. I don't know that anybody's really going to listen to me on that one. All right. So I think uh, so. I think that's a, what, a five out of five for me, five out of five for you. So War Games gets a, gets a heck of an endorsement for data science and try not to murder everybody, you know, with computers. Which is remarkable for a movie that's almost as old as I am. Right. Well, it's kind of the first movie that they did is they – I think it was the first movie that I, that they really did where they actually – they took their time, did their research, talked to actual hackers at the time, show, portrayed actual techniques. I mean, again, elements of fantasy, as there has to be with a movie like this. But really, this was science fiction, but it was so close to science fact that it's hard to tell the difference. Like, versus something like Forbin Project or, you know, go Terminator or Matrix a little bit later. This is so close to reality. It's just it's just astounding. Yeah, it's, it's scary close. All right. Well, on that upbeat note, I think we're out of time today. So I just want to thank all our listeners. Remember, we have new episodes we're posting all the time. Uh, so we got a few great ones in the hopper. So keep listening. Anyway, for Kill All Humans, I'm Tim. And I'm Matthew. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, I was looking up all these kind of cool little tidbits about this thing. Like, uh, I had to look up phone freaking to see if that was an actual thing. Because I thought that's something they made up for hackers. But apparently, no. This no, is... no, no, no. That's real. I actually, oh, it's very I real. I actually had somebody who did it, demonstrated it for me. Yeah. I could never get it to work because they kept changing it. So, like, they mm. would try to, like, they they did, they were a moving target. So, like, you yeah. weren't really one of the people who really figured it out early. 
Well, I like the. I remember the scene from Hackers, and again, that's why I really wanted this one. Where they actually put coins in the recorded the sound of coins going into the. Uh, apparently, that was a real thing. That was a real. That was a real thing. Um, hacking the Gibson, not so much. into this room and then into what we call the Whopper computer. Whopper, what is that? It's a war operation plan response. This is uh, Mr. Richter. Paul, would you like to tell these gentlemen about the Whopper? <clears throat> well, the Whopper... 